Thanks for listening to Cato Sports. I hope you enjoy the pod. Give it a follow. Share it with your mates. I appreciate the love. This is Cato Sports. Let's go! Welcome into the pod. It's Cato Sports recording, as always, on a Tuesday. Episode's probably going to go live Wednesday this week, um, just with a few kind of logistical things. I'm going to have to get the, the, the podcast live Wednesday. And I think I'm going to change up a little bit of the structure of the podcast going forward. I've really, really enjoyed how I've started in being able to really go over each game with a fine-tooth comb and, and really, you know, break it down, who played well, bring out some guys that you might not have known, you know, kind of discuss things that are going to happen in the in the, in the the following weeks by looking at the players and how they're playing. And I think that, you know, it's kept the viewership here, hopefully, a couple of steps ahead of the rest of uh, – the community because you kind of really get that live breakdown of what's been happening. So I'm going to continue doing that. I think that people are really enjoying it. I'm getting lots of really good feedback on that. However, that's a very reactive um, analysis. And I want to also include a bit more prescriptive analysis. I'm, I want to kind of look t- to the future, look to games that are coming up and break them down a little bit, tell you how I think this game's going to go, how the flow of the game should go, who's going to be the big players, what the coaches can do to, you know, maybe help these teams in different ways because I think that's an interesting thing that people um, have been asking about and something that I think I can provide. So I am going to look at round 15 games uh, a little bit later on and take you through a little bit of that. Uh, But first, as always... Round 14, going to cover all the games. And we started on Thursday night with a really interesting game between Port and Geelong. Uh, Geelong had the ascendancy early. It was really Geelong that got out to the good start. They were able to put scoreboard pressure on early and Port didn't really have an answer. And it kind of took a Patrick Dangerfield collapsed lung and broken rib to slow that momentum in the second quarter. And, you know, I think that's kind of been Geelong's season. They've been beaten up, battered. They haven't had the guys on the park. And although they've set up really well, I think, the last few weeks and actually played really good defense, when you don't win the ball as much out of the middle and you go up against a team like Port Adelaide, and Port Adelaide are the best team in the competition at the moment. That's not saying they're the grand final, you know, Favorite. It's not that they're going to win the grand final, but at this moment, they are the best team in the competition. They are dominant on ball. They are efficient in front of goal. Their defense is rock solid. They've had guys like guys like Dan Houston is just on another level this season. Alir is playing really good football. Bergman is coming into his own and he's becoming one of the best defensive players in the league as well. So they're really building up that strong backline core that 
is really tough to play against. And we've seen guys like Tom Jonas, their captain, have been struggling to get into the team. So Port have really been uh, a dominant force so far this season. And, you know, they've won, I think, 10 games in a row now. And it's it, it's a bit of a party for them. We've seen performances from their forwards that have been strong. Finlayson's had another really good year. So has Marshall. He's had a really good year as well. Um, it was interesting to see them add Quinton Narkel into the team. You know, he I, I thought he might be more of a possession guy. They might bring him in and have, you know, that 20, 25 touches a game if he can get them. But, uh, you know, 13 and two goals for your first outing is, is you know, a really good effort by him as well. And then, you know, just a reasonably even consistent performance across the board from all of Port's guns that we know, whether it was Rosé or Butters, Wines, they're all getting lots of touches of the ball. Um, I think Dylan Williams, who's been that young guy in their back line, is just really flourishing as well. And I think when you're a young player, similarly, I think to Luke Bruce in that when you're a young player playing in a stacked lineup or line or or area of the ground, you, you're able to just work on your own game. You're able to develop your own skills. You're able to work on your niche and become really good at that. I remember when Luke Bruce was coming through for Hawthorne, obviously he had Cyril and Franklin and Ruffhead and, and Gunston and all these other players around him taking a lot of pressure off him. So he was able to really form his game around doing the things that he needed to do well and not have to overstretch. So I, I think Dylan Williams' support is, is doing a similar thing. He's able to just be himself, know his role, do his role and and, and contribute to that Port Adelaide backline. I mean, again, you look at the stats for, for Geelong, they're not winning enough of the ball. It's They're really trying to beat teams with this, um, put the pressure on, turn it over, and then have, you know, two, three disposals and score. And it's just so hard to put, put you know, big scores on the board when you can't win the ball at the, at the stoppages. So, I mean, I, I, I like the way Geelong's playing. I like the effort that they're giving, but coming up against a team like Port Adelaide, you're probably not going to get the chocolate. So, Good win power. Um, geez, this big ga- it's going to be a big game for the Cats th- this week against uh, Melbourne. So I'll talk about that later, but a, a really big one. Friday night, Brisbane and Sydney. Uh, again, a, for an interesting game um, in the fact that Sydney didn't really give up. Brisbane needed this game. They needed to win. Sydney stayed in it. They stayed close with them, which was which was you know good considering. The, the poor amount of form they've been in recently. Lions were shocking in front of goal. I think, you know, sometimes you look at a game and go, okay, we're lucky to just bank that as a win because that's what it was for the Lions. They didn't turn up against Hawthorne the previous week. They should have beaten Sydney by more, but they couldn't put them away and Sydney stayed in the game. Now, you know, it seemed it ended up being a kind of comfortable three goals, but no one really, you know, broke out. No one really dominated the game. Uh, Hipwood, Danaher, Bailey all had, you know, four or five shots of goal and couldn't convert. So, you know, I mean, the midfielders are getting the opportunities for them there. We know that Brisbane has a strong back line as well. Didn't really come together much in, in, in this game for uh, the Brisbane forward line, but it will. We know it will. Um, I did want to just shout out a couple of guys in this game. It wasn't the greatest game of football you ever watched, but 
Oscar McInerney is really developing as a ruckman to become not just a, oh, he's out there and he's part of the 22, but he's one of Brisbane's best players. Uh, he's He was dominating this game. He had 45 hitouts. He felt like he was everywhere. He laid six tackles. So he was putting pressure on. He was winning taps. He had 18 disposals. He kicked a goal. I mean, they're the types of output we're getting at the moment from Ruckman, and I've spoken about it in this podcast a lot. Ruckman are developing at such a high rate, and it's so weird that they're not getting drafted um, to the value that they basically provide. And a lot of draft picks don't turn up year one, year two, year three. It's after a few years in the system. And, you know, I've spoken on this podcast, when you draft a kid and he's 18 years old and- He's 18, he's going to be raw, he hasn't built out, he doesn't have the maturity, he doesn't have the professionalism. I didn't, no one really does at that age. And we expect AFL players too. And look, some of them come through, especially the midfielders, because they've got the skills and the speed and stuff like that. But the fact that Ruckman just don't get picked up early is uh, just, it's mind boggling for me. So I really liked his game. I thought he was really interesting. Um I liked a couple of the young guys for for Brisbane more than I liked some of the older guys. I thought Jasper Fletcher showed that he can seriously play. Now, he didn't have 25 moments, but he had four, three or four really good moments. And you went, wow, he was strong through the hips. He was able to break tackles. He was able to just take, he took, took the game on, went for goal, had a shot at goal. So, um, yeah, you know, he had three shots of goal. He kicked one goal too, but he really kind of showed, oh, he's going to be a player of the future. And I also thought Kai Lohman was pretty good as well. So a few a few positives there for, uh, for, for Brisbane for those younger guys. Um, obviously, they need to start kicking better for goal because if you don't do that, then, then you're in a lot of trouble. And after looking at those two first games, you look at Sydney and you look at Geelong and go, geez, it's going to be tough for either of them to make to make the finals this year. And I think the, the they're in the AFL, in the history of the AFL, so going back to 1850-whatever, no one – it's been really that not many teams or we've ever had a season where people haven't made the finals. Now, I think, you know, when it was 1914 and there were four team finals and there were eight teams in the comp, maybe six – Someone finished sixth and, and, and didn't play in the the next uh, final series. But really, since we've been playing AFL since the 1990s, since the game has been a, a uh, national competition, we've always had one team in the finals that was in the grand final the previous year. So, I mean, I, I just don't see either of these teams making it at the moment. I know Geelong have a reasonably good run home in terms of games at GMHBA, but if they lose this week to Melbourne, it just puts them so far behind the eight ball. And with the injuries that they have, it's I just don't see where that's going to happen. Um, next game, GWS and Fremantle. Uh, this was a really, really – this was a, more than a disappointing performance. This was uh, – I don't know what changes need to be made at, at Fremantle. People have spoken this week about there needs to be a change at captain, that Alex Pierce wasn't the right selection. It should have been a Brayshaw. It should have been maybe a Sarong. Um, I just don't – I don't know where their game winners are at the moment. 
you look at their team and you go, okay, they've got a lot of skillful guys. They've got guys that can fit into different spots, but I don't see their game winners. I don't see them that obviously, you know, young Amos is, 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 uh, it's his first or second season. Um, but outside of him, no one wants to stand up and kick a goal. And that, I said this about Hawthorne earlier in the year as well. And I also said this about North Melbourne is, you know, if you don't have the want to kick goals, if you don't have that fire to take the game on, to move the ball inside, to break a tackle, to really, you know, work off a dude and and and, and want to kick goals, you won't kick them. The people that kick goals, unfortunately, you know, there's a little bit of arrogance, there's a little bit of selfishness to it. And you look at the GWS team and it's littered throughout their roster of dudes that just want to Riccardi, who's out of contract actually, which is a very interesting thing. So Riccardi party coming to a team near you this season. But Toby Green kicks three or four goals every game because as soon as he gets in front of goals, he steadies up and he goes, I'm going to kick this one, boys. And he does. Josh Kelly gets to 50, gets to 40 meters out and goes, you know what, guys, I'm just going to put this through. And that's the type of attitude you need to have as a premium player in this competition, as a league footballer, playing in a team that needs to score points because you don't score points, you're not going to win. And you go to their midfield and go, okay, Sarong, Brayshaw, Jaeger O'Meara. Um, you know, there's a lot of dudes there who they're just not giving you enough. In terms of scoreboard pressure, you need your mids scoring. You need your mids putting pressure on. You need your mids getting up the wing, working hard. You know, you watch someone like at the moment, I spoke about how I thought he needed a lift with Shy Bolton. You watch Shy Bolton play over the last month. He works his ass up and down the ground to be involved in the play and then part of the link chain, and then part of the scoring opportunity. And you look at the Frio lineup and you just don't, there's nothing there like that. Everyone is very role specific and it's it's hurting them. You know, if, if, if they don't get four or five goals out of uh, Amos and, and Walters, they just, there's nothing there. Tracy is absolutely a zero. You know, then they didn't get anything out of Switkowski this week. They didn't get anything out of um I'm looking at their lineup. Sturt's kicking for goal was bad, very bad during the game. He doesn't have much confidence in his kick. Banfield only touched the ball seven times. I mean, it's just it if you play like that, you're not gonna win. And on the converse side, I've been saying this about GWS for a month at least, they're playing good football. And, you know, this is a team that's got talent kind of everywhere. You know, they, they, they're not really rebuilding. When you've got guys like Toby Green, Josh Kelly, Lockie Whitfield, all in your team, you're not in the rebuilding mode. We know how good Harry Himmelberg, Taylor, their backline is, Haynes, Buckley's coming on, Finn Callahan is coming on, Tom Green's a bull in the middle. This is a, this is a really good team. And if you rock up like Frio did with a half-assed effort, if you don't take your shot, your chances front of goal early, you're just going to get smashed. And that's what happened. And, you know, I think the conversation about, oh, we should trade Sam Darcy, that's uh, – Sean Darcy, sorry, that is over. He is so valuable to this team. He provides them first use out of the midfield and he's not a hybrid ruckman. He's just a gun ruckman. And you know how I feel about ruckman on this podcast. Um 
I'm going to talk about the Richmond game against St Kilda. I went to the game myself. I wanted to see the two teams go at it live. Uh, St Kilda got the hot start. They jumped out. I thought, you know, early I thought, geez, here, here, here they come. You know, the Saints are putting together a performance. And I've had my doubts about St Kilda all season. And and I don't, you know, however many premiership points they're on doesn't really, it doesn't, you know, tell the story for me. And I think the real issue that, that the St Kilda team has is they just don't have as many A-grade players. And when you go up against a team like Richmond, which I spoke about last week against Freo, is Richmond have still got eight to 10 guys that are, up, their eight to ten are as good as, if not better than, every other team's eight to ten on their day. And now it was a big game. It was Cochin's three hundredth. He absolutely showed up. He kicked a couple of goals. He had, you know, a bunch. He had nearly thirty touches. So you know, the boys were getting around him for that. But you know, this team has got weapons. The Bolton's kicked three goals. Jaden Short, for the second week in a row, has been able to hit the scoreboard and and have a big influence on the game. Um, We know what Tim Taranto is doing at the moment. He's up there with one of the best ball winners in the competition. He's probably a top two or three ball winner, and he's kicking goals every game. And you go to teams like Fremantle and you say, well, why are we not winning? Well, because your forwards are... Uh, your midfielders aren't helping out and getting forward and providing. And, you know, you've got to really do these things. You look at a team like Richmond and, and it wasn't the forwards. They're missing guys. It, it wasn't just Rewalt and Lynch. It's, you know, Vlosten sneaking forward and kicking a goal and Cochin getting forward and kicking two goals and Camden McIntosh kicking a goal and Short and, and Bolton. And you go, geez, this, this, Baker's kicked a goal. So, these are all midfielders kicking goals. These aren't absolute set forwards. They're, they're getting their scores from their midfield group. And as for the Saints, yeah, I, I mean, I've got my big worries about Max King and Ben King, both of them as footballers. I think that they are weak. I don't think that they move well on a football field at all. They are very stagnant. And this is this is this is something that I've kind of noticed after you know, maybe for the last six weeks is that it's they really stand there and say, kick it to me and stick their hand up in there. And they think that because they're quite tall and they, you know, they're probably a mismatch in terms of height, that they're going to win contests, but they don't have the body size. They're not Tom Hawkins through their through their chest and through their thighs and through their legs. They're, they're quite skinny and they get knocked around a lot. And you know, they also have this little fake tough guy thing going on, which I really don't like, but they're not guys who are able to just stand there and put their hand in there. They need to be moving. And when you move as a forward and you get out of that space, it provides space behind. So I, I, I really don't understand why teams don't always have people leading. Like, like I would just be crucifying players as a coach, pull them off, whatever, training, whatever it is. If they're standing there saying, kick it to me and sticking their hand up in the air, in the AFL game right now that's congested in back lines because people get back and people get back to help, the only way to, to create space is to lead and have players go with you and move and create space behind that then the next player moves into. So if you're not going to do that and you're going to stand there and say, put, you know, kick it to me, you're going to have Bolter and Grimes all over you all night, which is what happens. So I really, I just don't think the Saints have got enough 
quality game-winning type guys in their team. They've got some nice pieces. We know they're nice pieces. We know Sinclair's, you know, very skillful. He's he's their only real A, I think, you know. We don't think Steele's really been nowhere. I, I didn't think that um, Gresham – sorry, not Gresham. I didn't think that uh, the Ruckman-Marshall had a very good game, um, you know, Mediocre amount of hitouts, mediocre amount of touches, didn't really hit the scoreboard, you know. So it's not like they're getting much from him. Owens, who's been really good this year, only had seven touches of the footy, you know. All the all those guys that maybe at the start of the season everyone was saying, oh, these are the, you know, the guys that are going to take them to the next flag, the guys like Wood and, you know, a few of the others, they're not doing as much. So, yeah, I am I am worried about how – low they are in terms of superstars at the Saints. So good win to Richmond. I think, you know, once the rain came in and Richmond had built that lead, uh, it was going to be very hard for the Saints to chase that down. Now they got close at the end and, you know, we thought, okay, this, this something could, could happen here. You know, both teams are uh, fighting it out, but Richmond were able to you know, get that ascendancy back, but they never really lost the lead. You know, after after they, you know, came in the middle of the first quarter, it was really Richmond for for most of the game. So, uh, yeah, good win, Richmond. They're flying at the moment. Um, and, again, you talk about a team like Geelong and go, oh, you know, are they going to make the eight? Well, it, it's a team like Richmond that's going to steal their spot right now. And for St Kilda, again, you're, you're fighting to get in there and a team like Richmond's the one that's going to take your spot in the eight. So these are just absolute must-win games at the moment for, uh, for these teams. After the break, I am going to cover the last couple of games and then I'm going to look at some of the games that are uh, coming up and we're going to run through that a little bit. Welcome back to the podcast. It is Cato Sports here with you as always on a Tuesday. Got a couple more games to cover. Really excited to cover the next game because it was just such a odd game. Uh, Carlton and, the, and, and Gold Coast. Carlton comprehensive winners by 60 points. Um, this game started out the way that I think a lot of people thought the game was going to go, which was Gold Coast were able to make it a contested game and Gold Coast were able to move the ball down the the, the MCG, contest to contest and beat Carlton up really in those midfield area where we know Gold Coast have been really good all, all season. And uh, they were winning a lot more contested ball than Carlton were. And the vibe of the game was just, geez, this is going to be a slog. And that's what Gold Coast want. Gold Coast want a slog. They want the game to be in and tight. That's where they're going to. Um, that's where they're going to win this game. And uh, you know they've got good marking forwards. Whether it's Casbolt or you know they kick it up to King or or whether they get it up to Lacocious as well. But Carlton just didn't let that happen in the in, in the start of the second quarter, and it was an absolute whitewash. Now there were a couple of things that I think. Carlton were able to do that were really, really positive. And that was get Cripps into a scoring position. He is one of the more talented players in the competition. He is a dude that can really hurt the opposition. And the midfielders at Carlton have been really poor at helping their 
their forward uh, players out by putting scoreboard pressure on and eking into that forward line after. Because Colton, yeah, they win enough of their own ball. The, no one has said all year Colton can't win the footy. They can. And in this particular quarter, second quarter, they won a lot of the footy. And Gold Coast couldn't get their hands on it. But for that to be a beneficial thing for your team, you need to capitalize on winning the contest. And the best way to do that is have your forwards slipping into the forward line and scoring and outrunning their opponent and working their way forward. And when that starts to happen, then the confidence starts going because instead of a midfielder just thinking, oh, you know, our defenders, they've, they've got it covered. It's, oh, crap, I've got to run defensively here, 50, 60 metres to cover, you know, whether it's Chera or, or whether it's, you know, Cripps, whoever's sneaking into that forward line, Kennedy kicked a goal. You know, these are the types of guys that you have to cover at certain stages. You know, when you're in the contest in the forward half, oh, where are these guys, you know? That makes you way more accountable. It makes you think less about what your team is doing and more about your individual, you know, opponent. And it it, it really, teams struggle with it. And Carlton were able to move the ball quickly. They were able to get some midfielders into scoring position, which opened it up to, you know, Mackay getting uh, opportunities and Kerno getting opportunities. And, you know, the ball was coming in nice and fast for them. I think the other thing which really helped Carlton is the fact that Gold Coast were not prepared for the MCG. And the MCG is a place that has wide wings. It was not wet. It has beautiful drainage at the ground. So it was dry and it was wide and you can move the ball pretty freely at the G. You need you need ultra pressure to keep the ball locked in at the MCG because it is just so expansive. And Gold Coast were bomb kicking the ball out of their back line the whole second quarter. It was it was really hard to watch because m- most teams that play there regularly realize that's not the way to play the G. You look at a team like some of the younger teams, like well Collingwood, uh, the one of the best at the moment. They don't but they don't bomb kick the ball at the MCG. They go link handball, move the ball with speed through the ground. They have guys like the Dacos brothers cutting you up through the ground, um, you know, Dugowie breaking forward because that's how they want to get you. They want to get you with foot speed. They want to get you, you know, stretched out, covering more ground. And that's how you win at the MCG. I know Hawthorne, that's what they're trying to implement as well is a game that's more link handball. That's how they're going to move the ball down the field. And Gold Coast are really bad at moving the ball. It's It was really on show that they didn't understand how to play the MCG. And a team like Carlton that plays a lot of games there and they, you know, this was a game that probably had a little bit less pressure. There wasn't as big of a crowd. There was, you know, a, a, it was a team that was traveling down and, yeah, they really took advantage in the second quarter. Now, look, the Suns got a little bit back into the game in terms of the flow of the game. They weren't able to get anywhere near them on the scoreboard for the rest of the game. But, you know, a really uh, strong performance by Carlton that they needed it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, give them an out for how bad they've been for the last two months, but it shows what they can do 
and it shows if you move the ball quickly, if your forward, if your midfielders can get into scoring position to help out your forward so that it's not just the Colonel and Mackay show the whole time and it's, okay, we're getting scores from other guys and, you know, whether it's the smalls or the midfielders, other people are chipping in to help out. So, uh, yeah, strong performance by the Blues. I really like the game. Gold Coast, it was disappointing because if they'd won that game, they would have been inside the eight. The You know, everything had been building to a game like this for them to cement themselves, to come down to the MCG and win a big road game and they couldn't do it. And now it feels like they're back to square one and I don't think they are, but, you know, they've got a really tough matchup this week against the Hawks. Now that's at home and that's a must win for the Suns. They just have to win that game of footy because... You know, if they don't, then it's just the same rinse and repeat thing and you can't keep going rinse and repeat with the same, win a few games at the start of the season, fall off in the middle of the season, fall away and then, you know, end up getting the seventh and eighth pick in the draft or the third pick in the draft. It's just, you're never going to hold on as a club and, you know, your coach is never going to keep his job and the players are never going to want to stay if you can't rise to the occasion once or twice in a season and win a big game that puts you in a position to to play finals football. Last game of the round, uh, North and the Doggies. Look, uh, North supporters are going to be really happy. Um, They're playing good football. They're not getting wins, but they're staying in games. They're they're trying their hardest, you know. It wasn't like they got smashed in in, in that many areas by the dogs. I thought, you know, the ability for maybe it was just more the upper class, you know. It was was the fact that Waitman kind of got a hold of them, but Bont was really strong, you know, three goals, 32 touches. Um, Obviously, Waitman had a really good game and, you know, he's (laughs) – I like Waitman. Him doing that absolute performance to win a free kick uh, and that staging thing earlier in the season made me not want to like him. But as a footballer, he can really play. But, you know, this was just a tick for the dogs that they had to get and they did get it in the end. Um, but, you know, there's, there are some interesting pieces coming out of this game. Uh, you know, Taron Thomas is continuing to have some solid form after coming back after all of his personal issues. Sheasel's had another 32 disposal game. I mean, I think when people think about this whole rising star thing, don't overthink it too much. Having 32 disposals in a game of football when you are 19 years old is incredible. No one does it. And Sheasel's been doing it all year. I think if it's not Ashcroft, it's him. It's just those two. Uh, I know a lot of people have been having good seasons, but, you know, Mitch Owens had seven touches on the weekend. Sheasel's had 32. Mm, I'll, I'll take Sheasel, you know. Um, but, yeah, you know, there's some there's some building blocks here for, for, uh, for North. I think, you know, Coleman Jones has moments where he looks like he could be something. So does Eddie Ford. He has moments where he looks like he could be something. I think that their coaching has been really good recently. I think, you know, Ratton's putting the team in position to develop. It's not a, we need to win now, my ass is on the line. It's a development thing, which is really good um, to see from, from, from a coach. You know, Wardlaw's had his worst game as a, as a pro, you know, five or six, I think he's yeah played four or five games now. He's only had the nine touches. 
he'll work on that. You know, you have to, it's, it's hard to stay in games the whole time, especially when you're a young guy. So, um, you know, they'll build on that. And uh, yeah, for the dogs, a nice tick. And, you know, you come in and uh, play again the next week. So I did want to just touch on some of these games next week, which I think are going to be really interesting. So let's just start out with the with the first game, which is the Geelong Melbourne game. This is a this just feels like a must win for Geelong. Like I don't think we've seen a game in the in the regular season that has been so must win for Geelong in in a long time. I I think that you know they could really really be out of the eight picture if they lose and a couple of results don't go their way later on in the weekend. I mean, just looking at it here, I, I think Essendon are probably at the moment a shoo-in to beat Fremantle based on form. If St Kilda were to get on top of a, a Brisbane who isn't playing very good football at the moment, they would also be, you know, firmly cemented in, in the eight. Now, I don't think St Kilda has that top echelon player, which I said earlier, to you know, win a final or or take it deep in the finals. But, you know, you can only play the team that you're playing against. And, you know, Collingwood, Adelaide, last time Collingwood and Adelaide played, it was such a close game. Gold Coast, if they were to get a win against Hawthorne, they put themselves into a really good position. So I, I think it's an absolute must win for Geelong. They probably won't have Dangerfield. So now it's you're going up against a Melbourne team that probably gets Clayton Oliver back. Viney has been in excellent form of recent. We know how good the two Ruckman are at Melbourne. They're going to come at you in the midfield. This is going to be a game where Melbourne are probably going to get more shots at goal. Now, we saw Melbourne a couple of weeks ago on the Kings Monday game. They were very strong in defense as well. So... For Geelong, they're going to have to somehow create lots of scores because they're probably going to lose that midfield battle. Now, maybe they're going to look to, you know, is it going to be some something where they try and make Melbourne move the ball sideways a bit more and not have them go too direct? I, I think, you know, the game that they played against the Dogs a couple of weeks ago where they really shut down the Dogs in that kind of middle of the ground. They didn't let the ball get too far forward. They let the dogs have as many disposals around halfback and through the midfield as they wanted, but there was just no movement other than sideways, handball, backwards, that type of stuff. That There was the overuse and they pounced on the mistake. So I think that's really the game they're going to have to play, but the Melbourne backline doesn't overuse the ball too much. They've got good users down there. They've got good decision makers down there. So I think it's going to be really tough for Geelong to get enough touches of the ball to to beat Melbourne. I think Melbourne's the team that usually wins that midfield battle. So they're going to struggle to get enough touches. They're absolutely going to have to be efficient in front of goal. And um, I just, yeah, I, I, even though it's in Geelong and even though that is their fortress, I really, I, I think this is going to be a seriously tough game for the Cats to win. So um, I hope they come out there and they show something and it's an absolute, you know, ding-dong battle, but don't know if that's going to be the case. Um, St Kilda and Brisbane. So, uh, again, I don't see St Kilda have that top echelon talent, but Brisbane don't travel well. Uh, They're really a Gabba-only team. I saw earlier in the season when Brisbane came down and played the Doggies at Marvel and it was a a, a pretty – 
average performance by them, to, to be perfectly honest. They're going to want to have to build on that and build on how they play on the ground. Um, they, they really need to kick better for goal. They're going to need to be a little bit more controlled in the way they use the ball because St Kilda do set up very well defensively. And, you know, St Kilda are going to kick 85 points in this game. And it's whether Brisbane can <clears throat> be efficient with their ball use. It's whether they can get enough one-on-ones because St Kilda really don't want you to get one-on-ones. They want to win the ball, get it forward, set up defensively, wait for the mistake, and then and then pounce, you know? Once they get the ball back off you and they get the ball into the hands of Wangane Malira and Sinclair and Brad Hill, then they start to get a few one-on-ones inside 50 and and, and they look okay. But, you know, it, it, St Kilda are an efficient team and Brisbane are a very wasteful team. So those two teams playing each other because one's got more star power, one has less star power. It's just going to it's going to be a very interesting game. I, I would almost put St Kilda as the favorites for this one just because I prefer an efficient football team. Um you know, at Marvel on a Friday night, that you know, you waste too many chances in a game like that, and you and you're gone. So I'm probably going to tip St Kilda in that one, but I think it'll be really close. Um, and then obviously the two Sunday games I really want to talk about. Now I, I think Essendon win, you know, pretty easily in the in the Saturday game. I think you know Sydney probably get a hold of West Coast, but an opportunity for West Coast to maybe you know scalp a win or something like that because you know Sydney have dropped off a, a little bit. But uh, yeah, I think probably Sydney and Essendon in, the, in those two games. But the Sunday games, geez, Adelaide, Collingwood, MCG one ten. That's premium. Collingwood have been just a little bit off recently. And I said this after the West Coast and North games they played. I said, you can't fall complacent at this point because Melbourne did and it didn't work out for them later on in the year. You know, Melbourne came out guns blazing and then they went into a slump last year, kind of round six through 10 where they were winning games, but they weren't playing good football. And there's, you know, I think that the Giants have been playing really good football for, you know, a month and a half. They just haven't been getting the wins. Whereas Collingwood, maybe the opposite. They've been playing okay, if not, you know, mediocre, but they've been getting the wins. So very interested to see how this game goes. Massive chance for Adelaide to show that they're a finals contender team. And really, if you want to play in the AFL finals and you want to be a team that is competitive, you have to win games away. And playing at the MCG, I think this is Adelaide's first game at the G this year. So it'll be really interesting to see how their, you know, their offense and their forward line that is so dangerous and when given space is just electric goes on a really, really big ground like the G um, with a big crowd on a, on a Sunday afternoon and a little bit of pressure there. I think Adelaide have risen to pressurized situations all year and have been really good in those clutch games. So... Uh, yeah, very excited for that one. Obviously, uh, Adelaide are going to need to win their fair share of the midfield battle because we know Collingwood do. Now, Collingwood in, going inside 50 and, and getting those forward chances haven't been as on as Adelaide have been for the last month. Collingwood have been a little bit sloppier. So, you know, they're going to need Collingwood are good at having a wide array of guys that, that, that score, you know, whether it's Hill or Johnson or Majacek or, or 
Jamie Elliott or whoever it is, Hoskin Elliott sneaking down there. They get goals out of their midfield group as well, whether it's the Dacos brothers and and, and, and others sliding down their side, Ian Pendle. So that they get those scores out of those guys, whereas Adelaide, it can sometimes be, you know, two or three guys and one of them's going to tell you, whether it's Phil Thorpe or Fogarty or, or Tex, who's just, you know, coming off a mega one a, a couple of weeks ago. So they've got a few guys that can really take advantage, but you know, those mid-level guys like the Peddlers and stuff, they do score for Adelaide. So very interesting game. Collingwood are going to win their fair share of midfield. If Adelaide can half that midfield battle, I think they'll go close to winning this game of footy. Pies at the G's, one of the hardest assignments of the last 10 years. Can you beat Collingwood at the MCG? It's just such a hard task to do. They've shown they're good in the close games. They showed they were close, good in the close game against Adelaide last time. So, yeah, if this game is close, I think the Pies, but it could be Adelaide that just breaks this one open and, and kicks out. So, uh, very interested in that game. Hawthorne versus Gold Coast. Hawthorne obviously coming off a, a really uh, – just a, a really good – month of footy, and Gold Coast, who were flying, have had their reality check against Carlton. This game's up at the uh, at the Suns' home ground. You'd think that the Suns are going to be able to take this one away from the Hawks. They've got the probably the, you know, these two teams are very good in the middle, uh, but you don't know about the conditions. The, the conditions will suit the Suns. The Hawks have got a lot of handball game. Is that going to work up at a, you know, if it's a wet and, and, and raining uh, Gold Coast game or if it's dewy, you know, it's a tougher conditions up in Gold Coast. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out. Um, I think, you know, this could be a real statement game for the Hawthorne Young list to say, no, we can we can win at home. We can win at the G. We can win in Tassie. Let's go and beat a team that's a finals contender away. And 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 that's what the same with Adelaide as well. You know, if you want to show everyone in the AFL that you're up to that chop and you're a good team, which I think that you know most people who are switched on think that Hawthorne is a you know and a, well they're competitive for sure at the moment. But if you want to be a team that really you know. That teams have to worry about, you have to win away games. So very excited for that one. In terms of how the game is going to flow, Gold Coast have got an extremely strong and tough midfield. And if they get the game into repeat stoppages like they like it like that, I think Hawthorne might fall away in, in, in parts, you know. You know, the back line won't have Sicily. So if they're losing too many of those midfield contests, then the ball will get in there. And, you know, I don't trust Hawthorne's back line. I much prefer the Gold Coast forward line. And I think the Gold Coast forward line with the whipping that <laughs> that, that Stewie Jew will have given them during the week is going to perform a lot better than it did last week. And they're going to get a lot more opportunities than they did last week. So, uh Hawthorne are really going to have to dominate that midfield area if they're going to, you know, have a good game. And it's also going to just depend how can they go without Sicily in the team. This is a team that has played great footy with Sicily, but he's an integral part of the team and you lose him and you replace him with Sam Frost. They're not like for like. And I guarantee you someone like Lacocious is too smart he moves too well. He kicks too well for goal to just be left to, you know, have the forward 50 to operate in. If Kasbolt's down there, 
He's a bigger guy. He takes big marks. So is King. He's a bigger guy. He takes big marks. Now, I like I said earlier, I don't think the King guys are going to be the best football players in the history of the AFL. I just they although they've got the hype, I don't think they've actually got the they don't have the skill. They don't have the ability to move as well. They're not as good one on one. So uh, I I do worry about the hype that gets put on them, but. Uh, against a Hawthorne team that doesn't have Sicily in the back line and you're worrying about, you know, James Blank and, and, and Sam Frost, I think that's that's a task that the Gold Coast are definitely up to. So, you know, I'm kind of tipping Gold Coast. I, I'd love to tip Adelaide. I really would love to tip Adelaide. I think they're in better form than Collingwood, so probably Adelaide. Fremantle uh, will lose to, to Essendon. Essendon are just too honest of a team and Fremantle don't give enough effort. Sydney will beat West Coast. I like St Kilda against Brisbane. Close game, very close game. I like St Kilda against Brisbane. And then I think Melbourne probably gets Geelong in a close one as well. That's the episode today. Hope you enjoyed it. Trying to talk a little bit about both what I think is going to come and what has happened in this. Hope you're enjoying the way the podcast is going and I will see you next week on Cato Sports. That's a great idea, Cato.